Welcome to the Real Estate Virgins podcast, where we are here to elevate your business, take your business to the next level. We're not just agents walking the walk, we're agents. Uh oh. We're not agents talking the talk, we're agents walking the walk. <laughs> My name is. We're rusty. I know. <laughs> it's been two weeks off. My name is John Michael Perez. You can find me on Instagram at John Michael Perez, and we've got Jordan Brown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to 2024. We're leaving 2023 behind. It's a new year. No more excuses. It's time to get back to work. At Jordan Sells ATX on Instagram. Let's connect. All right. So today we have the CEO of one of the top 250 real estate teams in the United States, the Ryan Smith Home Selling Team. They take pride in providing each and every one of their clients with a first-class real estate experience. They were named one of America's most productive sales teams as a state-by-state -state ranking report produced by Realtrends and Tom Ferry International. Woo! Ryan Smith Home Selling Team has earned recognition as a part of the top 1.5% of real estate professionals in the nation and ranked number 37 in Texas. He is a paratrooper for the Bowie Company 143rd Airborne. He is a Christ follower. And here's a testimonial from one of his clients. Ryan and his team are absolutely phenomenal. Ryan understands the need for support and the team he has supporting us. And Ryan made my selling experience incredible. There's a lot more about it. They were just raving about you. <laughs> yeah. But one really cool thing is, is you've got some amazing core values. And your core values are innovate and lead, embrace accountability, focus on solutions, build relationships and have fun, and be great and never settle. So my first question for you. Yeah is which core value is most important to you? Uh, I would say be great and never settle. Okay. Sure. Um, I think it's just, you know, for all of us in, in whatever we're doing every day, it's easy to get kind of complacent. Mm -hmm. You know, you get into a rhythm, you get into a, a, just a routine of how you're doing things, you know? And so it's that idea of, of not allowing yourself to fall into that rut, like keep mm -hmm. pushing yourself to grow and um, expand and just keep, you know, developing your skills as an agent or just whatever else you're doing. And so, um, I think that's probably the most challenging core value, you oh, know, yeah. cause it's, it's like, you got to kick yourself in the butt sometimes and be like, Hey, I gotta get, I gotta get after it. But, um, it's the one that definitely means the most to me. Yeah. Hey, first interview that we've done in a long time too. And as you heard from John's introduction, Ryan is someone you want to listen to. Mm -hmm. So buckle up, take notes. This guy is the real deal. Num what was it? 37 in the nation? 37 in Texas. In Texas? Like, yeah. come on now. Top one and a half percent. This is exactly the kind of people that you want to align yourself with. These are the people you want to learn from because they're doing it. And before so we're just super happy to have you. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys. And before we continue, where can people find you online? Uh, check us out at uh, ryansmithhomes.com is our website. Um, Ryan Smith Homes LNT on Instagram as well. You can hit us up. Love to make some new connections and stuff. And so we'll always help anybody any way we can. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. So um, the way your team works is, I saw at least online. So yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. You're the listing specialist. You have buyer specialists. You have a coordinator. You have uh, a managing operator, if I'm not mistaken. So every there's a lot of different types of teams, right? For sure. And so what works best for you when it comes to running a team? Yeah, I mean, we've always kind of specialized in real estate. So we've had people who would specialize in the buying side. And so there's a, a pretty in-depth onboarding process that we bring people through when they mm. join our team. Okay. Um, and so, um, and then we've had, you know, operations team members in the background to make sure everything, all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, things are running smoothly. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I would say that model over the years has worked well for us. I think as the market's changed a little bit, we've looked at how we can tweak this a little bit. Mm. Um, and so I, we've already began like tweaking our model a little bit as we've seen times changing. And what does that look like? Um, well, we're not fully done with it yet. We're kind of in the middle of doing that right now, but, um, we're, we're trying to find ways my, I'm really passionate about if we bring someone on our team, I want to provide a, 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 a pathway for them to be at our team for a long time, right? Okay. So, because I think a lot of teams you see across the country, people come, they're there for six months to a year, and then they're and out they the leave. door. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, really that's a challenge to us of how do we deliver more value for these people so that we create the opportunity for them to build a, a lifelong career at our organization, right? Yeah. And um, so, you know, over the years we've seen, we've seen some of those same trends where people come for a short period of time and then they leave. And so one of the things we've been doing is saying, okay, how can we tweak this? How can we, how can we develop this model in a way where we can create a long-term opportunity for people? Mm. And so uh, we've had some really good ideas that have come out from a number of team members and stuff. And so we're looking at how we can implement some of those things. Yeah, That's awesome. I, I have a question about you, you have this system in place, right? Yeah. So you, you've had it to where you have the buyer specialist, you have your listing specialist, you, you have all these positions. What did it look like? Like what, at what point in your business did you go, I need this structure. Mm. Like I need to introduce this kind of, you know, this specific outlined organization flow for my business. Cause some people listening right now are going, I can't even think that far. Ahead. Right. Like, yeah. What was the point that you got to where you're like, I need to implement this. Yeah. Well, and I wish I could tell you it's cause I was so smart. <laughs> it's really, it's not, that's not the case at all. Um, so, um, Really what happened is, so I got in in 07, right? And um, was selling 100 houses a year in 2008. Oh, wow. Um, and so... Um, in, in a tough time, right? 2008. Well, it was. I didn't really know any different. Really? I, that's all I knew, you know? So for agents getting in the market right now, like, they may not... Yeah, they'll see it's tough, but like... They've never experienced anything else. So mm. they're going to be just like I was getting in. It's just like, this is the landscape that I've got. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Like, let's go, you know? So but real quick, those hundred homes that you were selling your, your first like real year in real estate, were those like short sales? What, what did that look like? No, um, it was pretty much all just residential sales and some new construction stuff. So um, really how that started. It's, this is your first year? Uh, oh, eight was. Oh, wow. Well, oh, eight was the first full year. That's yeah. crazy. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, honestly, what happened is, uh, I had a builder, there was a large builder in our market Mm -hmm. who was looking for an agent to represent them. And he came to our brokerage and said, Hey, you know, I'd like to find an agent. And, um, all these agents would message him be like, I'll do open houses for you. I'll do this for you. I'll make this for you. And I was just like, Hey, let me talk to him. So I don't, I don't want to just tell him what I'll do. I want to, I want to sit down face to face. Let's talk. And so, um, so yeah, way back then I went and set up a meeting with him. He, he agreed to meet with me. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, I walked out with all of his business, you know? And so, wow, uh, yeah. And he was building a lot of houses back then. I don't really know how many it was. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, that was definitely kind of one of those opportunities that was just there in front of me. And I went after it and, um, you know, it worked out. So, um, I think there was a major difference between you and the other agents that were, Hey, let me do open houses. You were thinking big, right? You like, and you also set up an appointment where like, let's talk face to face and figure out a winning solution. Yeah. Assertive as opposed to passive, you know, you've got to go after the opportunities. Like when it's there, it may not be there again. So you got to go capitalize on it and win. I think too many people in this industry wait for opportunity to come to them and then, when they're given the opportunity, they don't know how to take the action. That's right. So it's great that you were, you were, 
were given the opportunity to do something and what separate and why you got that business is you actually took advantage of the opportunity. And just like with a listing appointment, right? Everyone's going to pitch like kind of a, a certain amount of things that everyone does, right? We're going to list it on the MLS. We're going to do open right. houses. But you were like, let me get to know the root of what you're looking to do and how I can be the person to do that for you. Yeah. You got to know the client, the rep, the the builder, whoever it is, and come up together with a solution. It's like, of course they're sold on that. Right. It's it's different. It's it's uh it's collaborative. Yeah, I think I think that's actually a really good point because I feel like a lot of times as agents, people go in and say, I'm gonna do this for you, I'm gonna do this for you, I'm gonna do this for you, but half of it they're not even looking for. That's yeah. not what they need. Oh yeah. You know, it's like let me hear what you need. And let me just be quiet and listen to what your needs are. And then once I understand that, now I know what I need to do to provide the value for, for them to win. You know what I mean? Let them tell you what they need. Absolutely. Stop guessing. That's, Stop yeah. throwing darts at the dartboard and hoping yeah. something sticks. Like, let them show you what the target looks like, and then you can really focus on that. Absolutely. That's great. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that, that mindset of uh, be great and never settle, where, where did that come from? Um. Well, I would say that like really the core values developed out of my own personal core values of okay. like, so as I evaluated what's important to me and like mm. what's important to, you know, doing business at that time. And as I was building a team and stuff, what is it that I was already kind of naturally doing that was really important to me? Yeah. And so that was something that was really important to me. But at the time also with the team, I kind of said, hey, we need to develop core values and let's talk about this together as a team. And so everybody got to weigh in with their thoughts and opinions oh, and those like sorts that. of things. And so everybody's opinion and voice was heard. And then uh, collaboratively, we worked together to come up with those values. So, um, but it really resonated with me because those values were things that I personally believed in and personally felt was very important. You know what I mean? So um, I would say that's where it came from. Yeah. That, I don't know if that answers yeah. the question. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I, and the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slap myself because I interrupted your flow of thought here. And I want to make sure that we close it. You, you had mentioned how you got to the point of recognizing that you needed these systems and such. Sure. And you said your first year and then I, I took over. So that's my bad. No, you're I want to let you finish that out. <laughs> um, so like how, how did you come to the realization that the point in your business that you go, I need these systems in place. I need defined roles. Well, um, first off, um, I, I, like I said, I didn't come up with that on my own. Like I, I, um, I had gotten to the point where, um, Literally, so it was, it was, I didn't start building a team until 2011 ish time frame. So there was about four, three or four years where I was doing it individually. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was getting crazy. Like it was getting crazy. More so than, more than you can handle? Or? Way more than I can uh, handle. Like well, and, I can imagine 100 homes year one. If that's your starting point, I can imagine how <laughs> yeah, crazy things It, it started yeah. getting nuts. Like my, my phone, like there was times where I would literally like throw my phone because I was like, it will never stop ringing. It was starting to get ridiculous. I've been there before. Yeah. Yeah. It's like stressful. So, well, how did you do during 2021, 2022, or, you know, where it was Well, now he had like, the team probably to oh, help yeah, out. You're yeah. right. We you're did, right. but that we, those were 21 and 22. Those have been tough years for us in fact these have probably been the most difficult years for really us, i would say huh. the last this this current downturn yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i think there's a number of factors that kind of all played into all that but um you know you know what's crazy is like when you when you lead a team and you've got a lot of people depending on you and then the market turns and you're like how do i feed these people you know oh, yeah how do we get in front of this instead of being uh reactive you're being proactive mm -hmm. right and especially within the last year year and a mm -hmm. half where it's like Rates have gone up. Houses are selling slower. A lot of agents that 
are are depending on leadership to figure out how to get through the hard times. Um, it's extra on your plate. That yeah. There's already enough pressure, like even in a good market, yeah. there's other brokerages competing for their interest. Right. There's always like, I feel like people are always chasing that shiny object, the newer, better, you know, whatever thing. I'm open this for one. sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> so if you're, you know, if you're trying to build a team, yeah, making it, you know, sticky, I think is the term that we use at, at AT&T. Like, how do you make a customer sticky where they're so submerged and they, they feel mm. valued that they don't want to leave, mm. right? Right. So I, I can imagine that was a big part of like, I love that you're saying we're always thinking about how we can make things better Yeah. because you can't get complacent mm-hmm. because like John said, when in a down market, people are probably sitting there questioning their business and like you can have the best plan, right? But people are going to question it because of the conditions that they're in. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've, I, you know, over the last year and a half, two years, I've had the most conversations of agents that aren't seeing any productivity and saying, should I be in real estate? For sure. Yeah. We're definitely seeing that for sure. And as well. so it's yeah. like now, but I, in my opinion right now, it's time to take market share because the thing is, is, the same things that you were doing in 2020, 2021 are not going to work right now. <laughs> like you've got to actually do more in order to get the same results. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and what's crazy is, is that if we go harder during this harder time mm-hmm. that we're going to get market share. And then once rates come down and which we're already starting to see more activity, nine showings yesterday on our listing, yep. uh, we have already been consistent during the hard times right. that when the sellers are ready to go, they've been seeing our content, they've been seeing our marketing, yep. you know, and so, and those agents that gave up, we took their market share. That's right. right. Yeah. 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 That's really what we have preached to the team too, is it's just like, okay, this is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you just need to buckle up and we got to get through it. And if you can, if you can be assertive and aggressive and go after it now, and pick up some market share while it's dropping. Everybody's numbers are dropping. We're not immune to that, yep. right? Like yep. everybody's going to feel it. But if you can gain a little bit of market share when the market rebounds and then just hang on to that market share as the market's going up, now all of a sudden you're in a way better spot than yep. you were not that long ago, right? Yeah. And so setting you set good expectations. Yeah. That's the great part about we do it with our clients. Yeah. And you can do it with your team too so that they're not sitting there going, oh man, like, I thought yeah. real estate, everything, I was supposed to be making bukus of money. Right. Like, <laughs> From the get-go. Yeah. You know? Well, that's tough. Setting the expectations is tough because as much as, especially with new agents, because, you know, you try to tell people this is what it's going to be like. Like, when people come to interview with us, I'm like brutally honest. Like, hey, bro, this that's is good. this is not going to be a cakewalk. I just want <laughs> you to know that, right? And you, as much as you tell people that, in fact, the analogy I tell them is like, hey, you, you're. it's not when you're going to get punched in the face and kicked down to the mat. You're going there. Like, because I'm going there too. We're all going there. It's what do you do when you face that adversity? You're not getting the success that you want. Do you just pack it in and give up? Or is there something else inside you that says, no, 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 I'm not folding. I'm not going down. I'm getting back up and I'm going to keep pressing forward. Yeah. Those are the people that make it. That's Those heat, are the people man. that make That's it. That's heat. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. love it. There's that story in Think and Grow Rich where there was a, a miner and he purchased a bunch of mining equipment and they went, they, they got a bunch of gold at first, but they, they found out that there was potentially more gold in the area and they kept going, kept going, kept going. And then eventually they just wasted so much time. Yeah. And then he sold all of his mining gear to this random peasant. Oh, close, wow. close by yeah. and the peasant uh, I'm just saying peasant it just a random guy right yeah uh, he did some more research and found out that 
he only he gave up three feet away from the Ugh. the bigger yeah. amount of gold, right. right? And so, like you're saying, if you just keep pushing forward and keep going, that bigger amount of gold is going to show up. It is, yeah. We actually uh, there's a great video that uh, that we watch as part of our onboarding process. It's laden with f words. So if you're afraid, <laughs> you're afraid of some strong language. Is it Andy Frisella? No, this is uh, it's Joe Rogan and. Uh. Uh, David Goggins. Oh yeah, okay. And that interview, the whole interview is gold, but awesome. Joe Rogan actually like made a video. It's like 10 minutes long where Goggins like tells his story and it's like talk about a guy that's got mm-hmm. adversity like every single direction that you turn. Yet like he finds a way to dig in and overcome it and overcome it and overcome it. And that's that mentality that we're talking about. Yeah, his know? book so, is so good. Yeah, you can't fire. Hurt me. Yeah. Can't hurt me. Great book. I've seen him live several times. Um had it twice, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. That one time in Dallas and yep. in St. Louis as well. Yeah. Got a question for you. Yeah. What are the tactics that you're finding effective in your business in, you know, late 2023, 2024, this new post COVID age of, of real estate, what's working mm. for you? Uh, I would say consistency um, with, with staying in touch with people. Like, so, um, Cause you may not always land them right now, but if you've got them in your pipeline and you're staying consistent and touching them over and over again, and it's that personal connection as well. So, you know, it's not just, um, it's, it's having those touches, but then also having the conversations and building the relationship with those people. And I tell them, Hey, you know, there's times I go meet with people, even when it's tough. And I'm like, they describe their situation to me and I'm like, you know, you shouldn't sell your house right now. I totally hear where you're coming from. That's not what's best for you, but I'm going to stay in touch with you. And when it's time, Hey, we're going to kick it out. You know, we're going to rock it and do a great job for you, you know? Yeah. And so those personal connections and the personal relationships, that's the key right now, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, consumers are just swamped with messages from everywhere they turn right but if they build a personal relationship with you and you nurture that relationship you're going to be the one that they turn to right so um it's all about your clients timing yeah that's that's the biggest part is yeah there i think there's this uh scarcity mentality that takes over with newer agents especially when you're not seeing results immediately where you're almost you you don't want to be the person that's pushy but you're thinking about the check right you're thinking about the payoff but you're thinking (laughs) about you that's selfish you're right but it's always worked out where even if I had a deal fall apart where either the house, you know, maybe we fell out of inspection. It wasn't the right fit. It's easy to get bummed about that. I think when you're new, because yep. you do have that scarcity mindset, you're thinking, oh man, I got to start over. Like yep. you're thinking too much about you. Yep. These people that you're helping have to live with the decision, a huge decision that they're making. And so it's all about all about your clients' timing. It's about their how good they feel. It's always worked out. Yep. When, a, when a deal fell apart one way, knock on wood, because I, I think it, my clients will tell you that I put their needs first. Mm-hmm. And they didn't feel like I was like, oh, guys, are you kidding me? Like, right. uh, yeah. what are we doing here? Absolutely. Like, yeah. We we got another deal closed. It was right. something else got, got done. Yeah. Right. And so if it doesn't work out at first, be there for them the genuine connection behind it you'll get it done yeah that i would i think that's really huge actually cuz when when you have that scarcity mentality and and a commission breath if you want to call it that it's so repulsive and the client can always feel it yeah. and they and, and now you're chasing after them and they're running away yeah. right they don't want that but when they see that my number one priority is to crush it for you and you what you need is more important than what i need mm-hmm. 
then what happens is they're attracted to that. They will remember the guy who's like, hey, don't sell your house right now. In fact, I, there, was a, there was a situation I was in probably the uh, middle of last year where this guy was interviewing two agents and one guy came out there and told him some number about selling his house that was absolutely ridiculous. I was like, there's literally no way that's going to happen. And I came and sat down with him and he's like, well, I've got another agent who says that he can get it done at this. And I said, look, if you, if you think you can do that, then go with him. But I'm telling you, it's not going to work. And I'm telling you the best thing for you to do right now is to hang on to your house and wait. And if you do that, I promise you, you're going to be in a better situation. And what ended up happening is he remembered the fact that I turned, I'm not turning him down because I didn't want the business. Of course I want the business, right? But it was what's best for him. And that's what was guiding my advice to him. And what happens is you create a level of loyalty when you do that, that can't be replicated the other ways. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. So you got to go into it with the mentality of not, how do I convince this person to work with like, how do I get them to think that my price is the best? How do I th- like get to know them? Going back to what you just said earlier, get to know them, have right. the conversation, right. go to the point of attack that's most concerning to them. Right. You know, and then from there, you're going to win the the trust, which is more than half the battle. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Go into the relationship with not how can I sell them a house, but what's actually best for them. Right. You have to know that most most realtors are going to go in with very similar information, very similar processes, very similar just like like we said earlier, I'm going to plant the sign, put it on the MLS, I'm going to host open houses. Cool. Outside of that, what separates you? Right. And that personal connection is the answer yep. to a lot of like my business, to yours, you know, I think top producers who have been on this podcast, we all sh- shared the same thing. Personal connection is is the absolute key to a successful business. Well, and it gets deeper than that. It's trust, right? Because it's like, that's what it comes down to. Is yeah. Do they like and trust you? Yeah. And if they don't trust you, you're not going to win the business, right? So when you have those conversations and it's really clear, like, I am after your best interest, then they trust you. And that's why a lot of times for giving clients advice, if they really trust you, they're not going to fight you on all the advice. Even if it's a price reduction, it's things that people may not want to do. But if they truly and genuinely trust you, I mean, that makes the the process so much easier. You know what I mean? So I I love going in... You know, doing transactions with friends that trust me already because it's just so easy. Yeah, you know, they're like, oh yeah, oh, I know you already did it for my other friend and my other friend and my other friend, so I'm just gonna do it the way you, way you suggested, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, recently, a couple of days ago, um, my clients they were wanting to put an offer in on a house, and I hate, like, I I want to sell them a house, right? right. Yeah. But I look at the comps and I'm like, in my heart, my integrity says, guys, you should not be offering asking price for this house. Mm-hmm. The house right across the street sold for $50,000 less and it has 500 more square feet. Right. So I would love to sell you a house, right. but my integrity says that you should not be offering asking price. In fact, you should probably be offering 50 grand less. And they're like, okay, well, let's just offer 50 grand less. The listing agent came back and said, no way. Right. Mm-hmm. But what's crazy is they were like, John, we just want to buy a house um, at value. Like we don't want to overpay. And I'm like, exactly. And I said, here, here's the thing. I'm not trying to scare you away from right. buying this house. Right? right. If you think it's worth five, to, I'm not going to say the number. If you, you think it's worth a certain amount, then let's go ahead and do that. But I'm 
I do want to warn you that the appraisal is going to come back and it's going to be significantly less and then we're going to have to renegotiate later, right? Yeah. And so they were like, John, that's exactly why we're work- we're working with you. It's because you tell it like it is, like what you're supposed to say and not just tell us what we want to hear. I can't even tell you how many times with what you just said right there, people are like, man, this is like a breath of fresh air. Just telling me what, tell me the truth. Yeah. Tell me what it is. Yeah. Like, don't sell me on it. Yeah. Just shoot me straight and tell me what I need to know. You know, at a certain so. point, it's time to stop selling and start like advising. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you got to stop trying to convince people yeah. like, oh, I want to be the first house you visit is is the one. Right. Mm. Like, how cool would that be? But yeah. that's not the case all the time. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. What sure. What role, if any, does social media play in how you attract clients or does it play a role at all within your business? Yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, it does play a role. Um, I would say that um, I would say it plays a role. I would say we could probably there's opportunity for us to do that at a higher level than we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's always though, right? Yeah, I mean, so are, are you attracting clients more so from referrals, cold calling, door knocking, open houses, or all of the above? I would say referrals, and just we have a reputation of we're just the ones that get it done. Got it. So you know, when you look around a neighborhood and you see these houses that are listed, ours are always the one that have the sold signs. You know what I mean? Love and it. so, and that's the advertising you want. Going back to uh, you know just getting the business mm-hmm. something sometimes the worst thing you can do is quote unquote get the business and then put your sign out in the yard and it sits there for eight months because yeah. yeah. then everybody's looking at you being like that's the guy who can't sell the house you know what i'm saying <laughs> whereas if every single time they drive through a neighborhood all they see is sold 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 people start to go well you know what if i want to get it sold these people are getting it done every single time they touch that's something. That's so true. You know what I mean? They're the ones I need to call, you know? And yeah. so I would say, honestly, that's where the lion's share of our business comes from is people just think, hey, if we want to get it done, they're the ones we need to call. So do you conquer like certain, this sounds funny, but do you like focus on certain neighborhoods and then leverage the fact that you've sold houses there already? Or um, is it just uh, referral referrals and that just happens to be where they land? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say initially when I first started that it it was a little bit more of that. Okay. Um, and I I did that mainly. What I would do is I would find neighborhoods where I felt like there was more opportunity. And I know a lot of folks think, well, let me go to all the high end neighborhoods and let me try to. Um, I mean, because obviously, who would I mean, if I could sell a million dollar house or a hundred thousand dollar house, I'd prefer to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but I, what I found is that sometimes that market's tougher to break into. It's not to say that you can't. It's just to say that like there's more opportunities with the average priced houses and average neighborhoods in your market. And so uh, there was about three or four neighborhoods uh, when I started back in 08, 7, 8, 9 that I really went aggressive on. And, uh, man, uh, for quite a while, we just took over. I mean, like, I would say it kind of is diluted over time because as we started getting more and more business and you have less and less time to be able to go do all the things I was doing before because it's there's just more business coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it, that kind of diluted over time. But, uh, yeah, for, for a good stretch, I mean, literally – we owned like I mean every single sign that went up in these big neighborhoods was ours. So. What city are you are you majorly working? Is like the Temple, Colleen, Coppers Cove area, or uh, I would say Temple, Belton, Colleen is kind of like the general area. Okay. We've started expanding, coming Georgetown, that sort of area, like moving towards Austin, um, but still the lion's share of uh, the Ryan Smith home selling team specifically, our business is 
Temple Belton and Colleen, the majority of which probably Temple and Belton. But gotcha. Yeah. Is there something that attracts you to that area? Like, yeah. was it a strategic play to it, to like really focus in on that? It, I, think, it, I think he was living there. Right? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, but that initially that was a strategic play because when I first started out in 07, excuse me, I was going all over the place. Like I would, you want to buy a house? I didn't care where it was. I was like, bro, get in the car. We're going, man. <laughs> you know, that's how I was. <laughs> it's like, you want to go to San Marcos? Let's go. Let's like, hop in, bro. <laughs> like, let's go. Right. And um, so what I, the reason why I did that. So it was like, okay, I felt like it's a too big of an area to really be an expert in everything. Cause it, I was driving an hour and a half. And sometimes I didn't know anything about the area that I was going to sell in my house. I'm like pulling up comps. I've never been to the neighborhood before. I'm like, I hope I can give them good yeah. advice <laughs> to whereas then it was like a strategic mindset of let me shift to the stuff that I know super, super, super well. Yeah. And let me be the most bad to the bone dude in this tiny little area. And then what happened? I stopped. I didn't. I never had to drive far anymore. I was five to 10 minutes away from every appointment. And then you're you're also um, if I have 30 listings and they're spread out all over 100 miles or I have 30 listings and they're spread within 10 miles. Like it's a lot more convenient. It's a lot more convenient yeah. and everyone's going to see you're yeah. saturating the market. You're like, this is the dude. Whereas if it's spread out all over the place, then they'll see your sign every once in a while, but it's not the same. Right. Yeah. Also temple specifically. One of the great things about temple is it's a, uh, there's a, there are more healthcare professionals in temple than any city in the United States. Interesting. Yeah. So they have, uh, there are three major hospitals in temple as well. So, um, literally when, when people go, they can go to medical school in temple, they can do their residency in temple, then they can do staff jobs at the hospital in temple. They can do fellowships in temple. So there's a huge medical community and each one of those se like segments of the medical community, there's constant turnover. So it was a, a is there any great opportunity there. Is there yeah. any multifamily opportunities out there? There's not a ton. Oh, really? Okay. There's not a ton. Yeah, there's a little bit. There's a lot of duplexes and stuff, but when you get beyond duplexes to to other stuff, there's more in Colleen probably than there gotcha. is in Zipline Belton. Yeah. But you know that that's may be changing a, over time. But. That's such a good play, man. I love that you you know it so well. Like you're the guy there that you were able to identify. Like of the demographic here, here's this kind of like super niche thing about temple or like mm -hmm. the residents here here's something that creates opportunities with the turnover that happens right um i think about colleen with like fort uh fort cavazos yeah where they're coming in they stay for a little bit and then they they go somewhere else and it's like man like those are niches that have lots and lots of opportunities if you can tap into them if you're spreading yourself too thin or, or sorry too far you're going to miss that because you're not really getting to know the area that you're servicing that well. Well, and I bet there's a, I think pretty much every area probably has, I mean, every substantial area when it maybe if it's a town of a thousand, there may not be, but you know, as you get to a little bit larger market, there are, there are segments of the market that are like that. And honestly, that's probably the, the market segment that made my career uh, personally. So what I did is I went and researched like, so if somebody was getting out of medical school and they were going to go do a residency at the hospital, I figured out, okay, how long is each one of the residencies? So I learned what all the residencies were. I learned how long all the residencies wow. were. I learned the names of the assistants and the directors associated with all the residency programs. 
and then put together a plan to market to these people. So then what would happen is as physicians would come to our area and would be looking to relocate, I would be able to say, yeah, like, oh, you're going into anesthesia. Well, I know the program director, it's him. This is him. You're going to be here for four years. Like, like I know when you need to start, I know the things that you need to get accomplished in your financing process, which are a little bit different than they are for the rest of the market. And so, I mean, immediately when they hear somebody starts saying these things as a real estate agent, they're like, how do you know so much about what I personally am going to be going through in my process? And it's instant trust because they're like, wow, like, you know, so there was a lot of work and research that went into that at the beginning to like help kind of launch that. You well, know? you establish the credibility. Yeah. And that's what makes you different from a real estate agent to an expert somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think too many people Great think point. that just because they know real estate yeah. that they're an expert and that's not necessarily the case. It's right. how well do you know your area? There's nothing worse. Like I'm working with a client right now and it's funny that I, I brought it up. I brought up San Marcos because that's where they've suddenly moved their interest from, you know, North Austin to San Marcos. Yeah. And the conversation has changed to, so Jordan, like, tell me, I'm like, I don't know anything about San Marcos. I'll be completely honest with you. They're like, like, oh, do you know like what area, like what neighborhoods stay, you know, to be in the hotspots? I'm like, no, because that's an hour and 20 minutes away from me. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, so now it's like, I, I can leverage other people on like on our team who do know those areas. So it, it presents a different opportunity to where I may not be the expert of that area, but I'll get you information. And if you want to connect with someone who is more in tune with that specific market, I now have a referral. Yep. So not, I don't know. I think people try to be too much for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, yep. real estate is a lot of people trying to not look like they don't know something mm-hmm. instead of being super transparent saying, you know what? This isn't my strong suit. Let me, let me find out for you. And it's okay. Me, it's okay yeah. to do that. Yeah. You know, people will respect that. We've said this before on this podcast, people will respect the honesty and you going and research and getting them the correct answer, then feeding them a BS answer because you don't want to look bad in front of them right yeah. then and there. And here's the other thing, like 90% of the time they can tell when you're blowing smoke and you really don't know what you're talking about. Like, like, don't try to fake it. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, if you don't know the answer, be honest with them. I don't know, but I will find out for you. Or you know what? Sometimes the best thing to do is to say is not chase that opportunity. It's to say, hey, this is outside of what I do, but let me find you someone who's a rock star at what it is you're specifically looking for. Yeah. Right. Let me focus on what I'm good at. And if this is outside what I specialize in or outside what I'm good at, let me get you somebody else who's awesome to put you in touch with. And then that makes you look yep. awesome when you do that. As opposed to if you try to fumble your way through it, you know, you look like the guy who has no idea what he's doing, you know? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, you have kids, right? Yep. So question for you, and this is some, so I, I have uh, my, my baby boy is seven weeks today. My first one. Yeah. Um, it has me just thinking about things. Like I, John and I are on the internet a lot. As far as like put, putting content out, we see a variety of different, kinds of people in the way that they respond to real estate. Right. I think that, and, and I know this is a very long windup, but I promise oh. there's a, <laughs> okay, I, <laughs> here's why. Right. Okay. I worry for the younger generations, how they're going to feel about home ownership and real estate, because I feel like whenever I put stuff out, you know, I've been seeing it a, a big uptick in this on, on especially YouTube where I made a video talking about a, a, 
personal, like a rule that lenders use and that, you know, that I suggest about 28% of your income, you know, before tax being what you can comfortably spend per month. And all it was, was information. Right. And out of nowhere, just like tons of thumbs down, uh, comments, really rude comments, like real estate agents suck. Um, you know, Oh yeah, I guess you just have to be rich to own a home. Like bunch of negativity that seems to kind of come with our industry. Do you, and I don't know how old your kids are, but do you worry any at all about like, and maybe not because you're in the industry and you're going to be able to set really good expectations for them and educate them. Right. But I wonder about this younger generation, Gen Z and below, how they feel about real estate. Do you have any kind of like concern or anything about that? Like, how do you think younger generations react to real estate? That's a great question. Hmm. A yeah. very long question. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was just trying to I, give some context. I, yeah. There. No, that's a great question. Um, yeah. I don't know how to answer that. You know <laughs> oh what I mean? Gosh. Like, I just, I worry because I, I think... I think a bigger problem is that we we're in the age of TikTok and reels and short bits of information. Mm-hmm. And they take that as like the expert, right? They take these small clips where, um, home ownership is, uh, you know, prices are inflated this and that. And so then they go, well, now this can't happen for me. Right. Instead of being like, Hey, I can change my circumstance. I can save money. I can change my lifestyle. I can stop spending five bucks on a Starbucks latte every day no. and save up money. But instead it seems like it immediately comes to this negative mentality towards real estate specifically. Right. Um, I would, I think, you know, that's a very, uh, interesting question. There's a lot in there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know that I've really contemplated it before. This question, but I. These would... are the things that keep me up at three. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I think that I think you're probably right. Like, I think I've noticed that too. To be honest with you, I mean, just this feeling, and probably a lot of it is just because of the massive rise in prices, right? I mean, it, it's beginning to seem less and less affordable. You know, like more and more out of reach than it was before. And uh, I think that's probably fed into a lot of this. Um, but I'm sure the internet plays like the internet is also a place where I've never seen someone with their actual name and their actual face respond negatively. It's always some animated avatar with the most random generated name yeah. because they have an anonymity and can you know be negative without repercussions. Well, you like know, that. our 80-year-old grandparents could buy a house with some grapes and some sticks, you know, some, <laughs> like some grapes and some I don't know. Yeah, uh, firewood. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and now it's worth 4 million dollars. Right. Know? Things have certainly changed. I just I just worry about like I think about my son and the kind of things that I'm trying to This is so far down the road. He's 7 weeks old. And I'm already like mulling over this. But I want to instill like really good values in him that he can change the outcome of his reality if he works hard mm-hmm. and you know he has the resources to be able to do it i my family like we're, we were middle class maybe lower middle class um i never struggled per se but we weren't rich right and uh, like it felt like everyone around us in our family was rich they have money they have trust funds things like that and i watched my parents work their asses off to get what they have mm-hmm. and i feel like that is what is why I feel the way that I do and that I worry because I, I, I just hope that this newer generation, this young generation grows up with some kind of sense of hard work. Yeah. And I'm worried. I'm just so worried because the number one thing people want to be right now, the young generations, Gen Z and below is an influencer. No. That's the grand idea. They don't want to be an astronaut. They don't want to be a, you know, a doctor. They want to be an 
influencer on the internet. Yep. And that worries me. Well, I think yep. that, uh, you know, this isn't really real estate specific, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I think that starts with... You know, I think just because we're all dads, that's kind of why, why yeah. I brought okay. it up. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, I think that a lot of parents want to be their uh, their kid's best friend instead of their, their mm. kid's uh, leader, right? And yeah. So it's like when you become a best friend, you start letting a lot of things slip. You start, uh, you start, you know spoiling them yeah you know? and so now it's less work for more results you know yeah. and so i guess that's just our responsibility as parents to mm -hmm. uh instill uh values of hard work and work ethic and and gratefulness really because yeah. a lot of kids don't know what they have right yeah. <laughs> you know well so. i promise i won't ask five minute questions <laughs> that are off topic like, so so, so let's to get back to real estate let's reel it back in so Tell us about your background. Before you got into real estate mm -hmm. in 2007, what was your background? Like, were you a sales job? Like, how'd you, how'd you get introduced to real estate? What'd that look like? Uh, introduction to real estate was actually, so my grandfather, who I have the utmost respect for, uh, who just passed away about a year ago. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, he lived a full life, man. And this guy was the salt of the earth. Just like, he, he's a hero to me because he was so loving and kind to everyone he ever met. Um, and just shared the light with every single person he could. Um, and, uh, he was, so he was a pastor, right. And, uh, but he always loved real estate. And so, and I looked up to him, you know, as a kid. So he would always tell me if I wasn't a pastor, I'd been a real estate agent. And so we would drive, was right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he would drive around and take me to all these open houses and he would just want to go in and look at the house, you know? And I was like 10 years old. I was like, okay. You know, so I would go to all these open houses with him. And I did that when I was little. Well, Fast forward, you know, I, I graduated high school, went to college, 9-11 happened. And so then I joined the military and um, um, literally joined the military. And next thing I knew, I was in the Middle East uh, in combat. And uh, really? yeah, I had two combat tours overseas and then was getting out and was trying to figure out how do I feed my family. And um, I remembered all that, you know, time with my grandpa and said, well, let me, let me try real estate. And so... There was that's a couple amazing. little detours in between that's there. That's pretty cool, though, man. You know? That's an that's awesome amazing. story. And yeah. thank, you, thank you for your service. Uh, that's awesome. What, what branch were you? Army. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Do you feel like uh, the things that you learned in the Army have helped translate into real estate, like a certain discipline or like maybe routine, anything like that? Uncomfortableness? Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> that's such a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm good at those. Right? <laughs> yeah, I would say, um, yeah, I mean, hard work from the military is something that certainly trans, uh, transfers over, um, being uncomfortable, um, you know, in the military, you're pretty much always uncomfortable in one way or another. So you just learn to live with that and move past it. Um, so I would say a lot of those, I things. hear in the military, it's like a lot of organized chaos. Like you're, constantly like shifting adjusting and like trying to figure things out if i'm not mistaken i don't know i haven't been in the military but yeah yeah i mean i would say there's probably a lot of truth to that okay so, cool. you know, yeah cool um you've been so you started in 2007 is it the same brokerage you're at now or no uh ironically yes uh yeah. so i i left in between there mm, so i was sure. there for about a year and a half uh, and at the time with the leadership that was there, I didn't really see an alignment with the direction gotcha. we wanted to go. Yeah. So uh, I left, I was at Remax for, um, I want to say like seven or eight years, something like that. And then actually ended up going back oh, cool. to the same brokerage that I started with. So Very with cool. like different leadership, different yeah. leadership, different everything. It makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, it really does. I, I yes. think, I mean, yeah, I've, for I've sure. talked to, there's a, a top performing team. I won't, I won't 
spill any names here, but I just talked to him yesterday because I saw it caught my eye because they have such a presence in my neighborhood. And I saw that the marketing was different. Like their signs were different. I was like, Whoa, I thought they were all in on, on this. So like I messaged her and I'm like, Hey, like, would you mind sharing why you switched over here? And they said it was leadership. Mm-hmm. And what's fun, what's ironic is it's somewhere John and I were and the leadership is why we left. Yeah. But there's been like a, a re- regime change and, and, uh, things are better there, which is great. And I think that's a well, really with powerful this specific is the same brokerage. Uh, mm-hmm. there's different marketplaces, right? And right. So there's different leaderships and different. So everybody, a lot of times, you know, it should be aligned, but sometimes the leadership is different. Well, different. sometimes when you're new, you don't know oh, yeah, that. Yeah, true. And right. So yeah, you're true. thinking yeah. no matter where you go, like if it's a legacy name or where, whatever it is, yeah. you're going, you're going to get the same streamlined experience everywhere yeah, you go. That's and true. that's not true. Yeah. Like who, who you align with, who runs where you're at matters. 100%. Leadership, actually, I mean, I would just say that is like one of the biggest like life lessons is how much leadership makes a massive impact. Uh, It makes a massive impact in your family, makes a massive impact where you work. And you know, the times our company has struggled, it's because as the leader, I made mistakes. Like, Mm -hmm. Like when I wasn't the leader I need to be, everyone around you suffers. And when you are the leader that you need to be, people will follow you, you know? So, um, yeah, leadership, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big part, especially when you're new, man. Like I remember new agents just don't know what they don't know. Yep. And so having like that, that really strong present voice is, is really important. Yeah. I remember, uh, I started up a team at the, at the brokers that you're at and, uh, and Jordan joined up with us. Okay. And then like two months later I leave. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and it was just because I felt like at that time, the partner that I was leading with just, we weren't aligned well. And he was like, what's going on, man? Right. Oh yeah. I was, I was, I was the new agent going, Whoa, <laughs> what, what's, no? what's going on? <laughs> yeah. But at the time it was just like, I, you know, there was a lot of personal stuff going on in my life, you know, lost family members, lost dog, you know, mm-hmm. financial stuff at that time. Um, but it was a good switch due to the fact that, um, your environment is just so important. It's so important. It's the matter of, you know, if a seed grows really well because of the soil, right. Um, as compared to not, you know, growing really well in in the Bible, it talks about that. Uh, you know, if it is planted on the road, like it's not going to grow. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so it's just so important for sure. Well, I, I saw it in my own business where in my first year I, so when John jumped, I didn't jump with him. I felt like this weird, uh, sense of loyalty, to yeah. this this brokerage for some reason because it was more so the team right yeah it was just like hey like these people took a chance on me yeah. let me mm-hmm. let me see yeah. it through and so i was like i'm gonna give myself a year mm-hmm. and i knew from the start that i wasn't feeling the the leadership aspect there but i was like no I, maybe it's me right like i need to see this through maybe i just need to give it time right but like bad leadership or poor leadership or leadership that's not aligned with you doesn't change, you know, or like it, it, it can, but it's unlikely. No, it can. It can. It's, just, it's just unlikely, especially I think when you're new and other people like have been doing this for over a decade, mm-hmm. they're probably more set in their ways than you are. Mm-hmm. So that was the point where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to fall into patterns that I saw with John, which is ultimately why he left. And so I need, I need a change of environment. I change my environment. I get some good leadership. I get aligned with the right people. Boom. Explosive growth. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And yeah. it's not by accident. 
Yeah. So let me ask you this, you yeah. know, uh, as the CEO of the Ryan Smith sales team, um, what are some good leadership aspects that have really helped you in your, in your CEO position? Um, well, I mean, um, I would say for sure, like, um, it's important to learn from your mistakes. Mm. You know, um, I feel like I've made pretty much every mistake that's out there. And that's one thing I was going to mention is like, you were humble enough to say, Hey, I've messed up and I've seen the results of messing up earlier, earlier when we were talking and you were like, I've messed up, you know, and that's really cool to see from a leader, you know, Mm. is just like admitting to it because a lot of times leaders, they're like, no, we're going to keep going. I, I, not even what are you talking about i do everything perfect yeah 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 yeah. uh for sure vulnerability with your team you know they they know you don't know everything so when you try to act like you know everything Mm. that that, that's not a good thing you know what i mean so um so being vulnerable with them you know uh i think it helps build that trust and really that's the that's the growth in fact one of the foundational things with our team is the book uh the five dysfunctions of a team by pat lencioni yeah um that is part of our onboarding process too and it really talks about a lot of that you know if you want your team to trust each other if you want to be able to build that cohesive unit it's going to start with the leader being honest like hey i've made some mistakes like i'm not i'm not perfect and uh, when people see that you're willing to be humble and you're a man just like they are, there's a lot more respect, I think, that comes from that. So I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Leading by example, too. You know, that's mm-hmm. a, a lot of times like for agents that I'm leading, um, I'll go out and do the stuff that I'm telling them to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to make sure that they see the results that I get, because if they're holding back, it's like, I don't feel comfortable, you know, doing a video or going out and, and doing an open house. It's like, well, I'm doing it and I'm getting results, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm going to, and I'm going to continue to do that. Right. So that hopefully it inspires you to do it. You well, know? leaders leading in, in uh, real estate reminds me kind of back in the day, like it's different now, but in wars, like generals used to be on the battlefield. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and now now they sit in an office and command <laughs> other people. Yeah, you know what I mean. But those are two different. Like, who are you going to ride for? You're going to ride for the person who listens to you, who values your opinion, who's in the yeah. trenches with you. Yeah, and, and I love that. Um, I have kind of a, a little bit of a sidebar here. First of all, congratulations on getting married. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah. to our good friend Tessa. She's yep. awesome. She's real estate, po- real estate podcast alum. Yeah, Tessa, <laughs> go back and listen to her episode. Yeah, what's it like being married to another realtor? Oh my no, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, Do y'all is that like y'all talk about it a lot? Um, we talk about it some. You know, when we were initially dating, we talked about it a lot. Um, and, uh, we still talk about it. It's good to be able to bounce ideas and thoughts off of somebody else. And Tessa focuses on a little bit different aspect of real estate, or at least she has. And so it's really been helpful for me because, um, you know, obviously there's times when I've been able to share things with her when she has questions, but honestly, I've learned a lot from her Mm -hmm. because there's, you know, she does a lot, works with people on investment Mm -hmm. side and stuff that, that that's an area of real estate that I didn't really specialize in before or really focus on a lot. And so she's taught me a lot. Like, uh, you know, I married, I married up. That's for sure. So, uh, (laughs) but we have a lot of real estate talks sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So I I imagine it would kind of come natural. Like you guys are at the dinner table. You're like, so I've got this deal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you know anyone looking, that's interesting though. Like going home and, uh, and still like, well, 
for me, it's like my wife really can't relate with me when it comes to real estate. So I don't really talk to her about real estate. I mean, I'll tell her, like, you know, I've got a deal going on or, you know, a problem or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, she'll go back to her Netflix, you know. But, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. Often period. Right. But uh, I think it's cool that like you can go home and, you know, have a, a another person to lean on. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what I was going to say is like, when you go home, is there any that any separation? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that in our own relationship that there has to be a little bit of a separation there where it's not just real estate all the time. Cause it can, you know, that's the thing about this industry, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's fun, right? I mean, you can make a lot of money, but it can take over your life yep. like really fast. And, yeah. and it's really, when that happens, it's, nearly always negative. You know, I can look back and say that I had a lot of success in my career from focusing on selling houses and just giving, giving real estate 120%. But whenever you do that all the time, it comes at a cost and that cost can be your closest relationships. Right. And so, um, you know, once again, we talk about, we want to learn lessons, right. And so having learned made it, made that mistake in the past, Mm -hmm. that's not something that I, you know, want to keep doing moving forward. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, so, Oh, excuse me. Oh my God. I was was trying to do it away from the mic. My bad. So, (laughs) so if, if Jordan has not gotten much sleep, he has a newborn guy. So I was, I was up until grace. I was up literally until uh, six 30 and I got 30 minutes of sleep. Oh, it was, I was in it last night. That's the worst night he's had by far. And then like two or like three nights ago, he slept eight hours. I don't, there's no rhyme or reason. I don't get it. We don't do anything different. Anyway, John and I were in a metal band together. Oh, that's cool. That was like in our early, like late teens, early twenties. And it's so funny to go like, that was our thing. And when we would meet up, we'd go to Whataburger all the time at midnight and like talk about the band and this. And it seems like that's kind of translating to real estate. And sometimes I worry that me and him are so deep in it that like when we hang out, we have to like force ourselves (laughs) to say, let's not talk. (laughs) Like, can we, can we chill? Yeah. Can we like, let's, let's enjoy like what, we were before real estate, right? Yeah. But it's hard because it, like your brain's always moving. Yeah. Well, it's, I think, you know, there's a healthy balance of, I love what I do. Right. Yeah. And so I love talking to you about it because you can relate with me yeah. about it. Right. And so instead of like playing video games or, you know, playing music, it's like now it's real estate. Right. That's something I enjoy doing. Something that bonds yeah. us. Cause yeah. it's something that we now share in common yeah. as adults yeah. that we didn't have beforehand, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, but, but if we were married, I, I'd probably want you to like, cut it off. <laughs> after, <laughs> like, Hey, after 6 PM, like put your phone, like what? <laughs> I think, you know, back when he first got into real estate, uh, I feel like I laid it heavy on him with real estate. Like I was just, everything was real estate. And I think, uh, maybe it rubbed off on him a little bit, but, uh, but, (laughs) but I think at a certain point you were probably like, this is a lot, (laughs) you know? Well, yeah, it's, I, I think when you're, we see it in our team where when new agents come along, they have an idea of how real estate's going to be. Right. Right. Rather it's the HGTV effect where they think get license get listings, get money. Right, right. Right. And then like, there's a lot more work into it. It's how do you attract the client? Yep. How do you win the client from yep. there? Yep. How do you navigate like learning the different parts of a contract? Like there's just so much involved with it. And then like, Oh my, my, this didn't go through. How do I release earnest money? I didn't know I had to do that. There's all these yeah, scenarios that you encounter. There's a lot to learn until you go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too many agents focus on 
the wrong things. They they focus on like having everything perfect. They they want to have like their business card, their e- <laughs> their email signature set up right, right? They want to get like the the consumer notice in there first, and like no, which you, is important. It is, but, but it's not something you need to be focusing twenty four. If you've got no one to to see that, then it doesn't matter. Right, that's true. Like from day one, if I if I was brand new right now and I could go back and tell day one me like what to do, it, it wouldn't be to focus on all the the boring aspects of it. It's, it's go get clients, go service them at a high level, go, go shadow people who are doing what you want to be doing. Yep. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's, a, sure. cause that, that made all the, that's what made the difference for me year one to year two. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we've got a meeting right after this episode, so we're going to go ahead and have to wrap it up, but thank you so much, Ryan. It really, yeah, guys, thank we you. really appreciate all the value you brought. There's tons of agents that are listening and Go check him out on social media, guys, because uh, he's got a lot of value. He's done a lot of cool things. So, uh, yeah. The real deal, baby. Yeah. And we just thank you again so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come talk to a bunch of schmucks like us and and share your your insights. We, we really much appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you guys and the opportunity and always glad to help anybody I can. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys, if you found any value in this episode, please, wherever you are, Give us a like, a comment, a subscribe. Give us a five-star review. Maybe you're on your way to work. Maybe you're on your way to a listing and something helped you out here. A review is an easy, free way to support the podcast. We will catch you guys in the next one. Go be great in your local markets.